0: It's great to have you here. Let's start off with a, uh, one of the big questions of life. Suppose you're with a friend or a colleague, you're talking around maybe a fire pit or you're at work or wherever it might be, and someone asked you, they said, so what would you say is the purpose of your life? Like, what are you here for? How would you answer that? In the ups and downs of life and when you, whether you're at the top of the mountain, you're in the valley, and someone were to ask you, why are you here? Like, what, what on earth are you here for? How would you respond? Is life meaningful for you? you have a good answer? Uh, there's a scene in the movie Matrix Revolutions. Any Matrix fans here? Uh, some of you are going, what's Matrix? Like, you're younger and you're... Where Agent Smith uh, questions Neo, and and here's what he, he says. He says, why keep fighting? Do you believe you're fighting for something for more than your survival? Can you tell me what it is? Do you even know? And he goes on and says, it's just temporary constructs of a feeble human intellect trying desperately to justify an existence that is without meaning or purpose. It's pointless to keep fighting. Sort of a sad way to look at life, isn't it? Trying desperately to justify an existence that is without meaning or purpose. You go, well, that's just a movie, John. Well, how about Journal of Psychology Today? Uh, not a whole lot more helpful. A recent issue described our purpose in life this way. It said this Our purpose is to evolve during our lifetime because that is consistent with our evolutionary purpose. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? little circular. My purpose is to evolve because I'm supposed to evolve. You know what the good news of this book is right here? This book tells us why we're here. In fact, the message of the Bible, if you could wanted to summarize it, is this. How do you get right with God? And how do you live right with God? Nothing is more important than to know Him, to know that you fit into the big story of God in the world, that you are made to know Him, to show His love to a world that so desperately needs to see that. Here's what the scriptures clearly teach. You'll see this verse on the screen. Colossians 1 16 just puts it so clearly. It says, uh, everything was made by Him and what? And for him. Everything in the world was made by Jesus and for Jesus. That includes me, it includes you, everyone made by him, made for him. I was made by him and for him. Would you say that aloud with me? You ready? I was made by him and for him. One more time. I was made by him and for him. That's the purpose of my life, to be in relationship with Jesus, to be able to say, He made me, He knows how I'm wired. He has a purpose for my life. Here's how Paul puts it. We've been going through his letter to the Romans, and he says it this way. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. Do you know anybody who would say they sort of live for themselves, like that's the purpose of their life? He goes, "No, no, you've got a bigger purpose than that. If we live, we live for whom? For the Lord we belong to the lord we were made by him and we were made for him you and i are part of the greatest story that's being written in all of history what god is doing building a family for whom he's preparing an eternal home and you and i we had to participate in that and it's all because of his grace not because of something we've done it's not because we've been good or we've earned it it's just because god says i love you enough to provide a way for you to come back into relationship with me, to be forgiven, to be set free from all of the junk of your past. And when we accept that grace, when we surrender to Jesus, that we become part of his family. And our lives are filled with purpose that we begin to realize, wow, I was made by him and I was made for him so what does that look like in the nitty-gritty of life like what does it mean to be part of a story and to live in a way that matters and we're digging into that question today in the in the book of romans if you want to turn there with me romans chapter 15 and if you don't have a paper bible that's fine you can you'll see their verses on the screen or you can look at the bible app on your phone also, there are notes that are both online at gracecmay.org. Just click the bulletin and you'll see the notes there at the beginning. Or those of you on site, uh, you got notes on your way in. Uh I want to say hi to all of you, by the way, who are watching at uh, Engaging With Us at Lorraine Correctional. Uh, I'm looking forward to being with you in several weeks, and uh, just so grateful that you're gathering for service, and, and also for different groups during the week, so grateful for that, and others in the online community. Thanks for uh, engaging with us today. Before we look into God's Word here, what Paul says about living as representatives of Jesus, uh, let's just pray together and, and ask him to direct us, okay? Okay. Father in heaven, we want to thank you today uh, that you speak to us through your word. You're speaking God. And you love us enough that your word uh, continues to reverberate and shed light on our path even today. So Lord, we with expectant hearts, we just come to you and ask that you will have your way in us, Lord, that you'll give us ears to hear, uh, clear out away any distractions. And Lord, I, I pray for those who are maybe wondering today, like, I, I'm not really sure what I would say about the purpose of my life or, or how I can be part of God's big story. Lord, encourage people today uh, that we could see how your word applies to us. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the children and youth at Grace, for a hundred and some uh, youth and adults who are on their way back uh, uh, later today from uh, this conference in Florida. Thank you for all that you did, Lord may the stakes of their faith be driven deep and lord for beulah on the road a camp this week for a bunch of uh, elementary age kids as they have a blast together i pray that they would also know how much they matter to you and that uh that they're loved by you and that you have great plans for their lives and so lord i pray it as they gather at the olmstead campus this week lord would you work in just a really neat way empower the young adults who are going to be leading host families. Lord, for each family bringing a child, we just pray for, for you to, to do all that would be pleasing to you. Now, Lord, uh, thank you for being here with us, and thank you that you love us enough uh, to patiently work in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. We'll read the first several verses here. Here's what it says, Paul writing, and he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. In other words, you're strong in your faith. You're with other people who are maybe, you know, they're they're newer in the journey. And don't please yourself. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ, God himself, did not please himself, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, they might have hope. We might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Here's what Paul's saying. If you're living for more than yourself, your life, if you're part of God's big story, you're gonna live for the people around you. And and he's gonna talk about that. Before we, we look at that though, just one, let me just point out what he says about the source of our strength. Like what helps us to keep on going every day and to be part of God's story. Especially when we get discouraged and we go, it feels really hard. Listen to what Paul says here in verse 5. He says, Our heavenly Father gives us Two things both begin with E. What does it say? Endurance and encouragement. And he wants, to, he wants to give those to us. How does he most often do that? In verse 4, he says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught where? In the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Friends, that's the gift of this book. It is really hard to overstate the power the powerful benefits of a Bible reading plan. Just saying, God, I want to meet you in your word. You know, in this one chapter alone in Romans chapter 15, Paul seven times quotes passages from the Old Testament. If you look at the footnotes in your Bible, you'll probably see each of the passages there. And and here's what Paul says. He says about the scripture. He says, every part of scripture has something to teach us. Paul says, everything was written. Not just parts of the Bible. He says, everything. Another place, he says, all scripture is God-breathed technical term for that is plenary inspiration. Would you say those two words with me, Are you ready? Plenary inspiration. What that means is that all of the Bible, every part is inspired, it's from God, to teach us and shed light on our path. And one of the ways it happens, second benefit of really getting into God's word, we see examples of endurance in the face of suffering. When you're wrestling, you get a cancer diagnosis or you have a family member really deep in addiction or there's something going on where your marriage is is deteriorating and you go, I I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just, I, I feel so tired. Like, I'm just to go on in the journey. And you read about that in the Bible and you read about people like Hannah in the Bible who dealt with infertility and the pain of that. You read about the marriage of Hosea and how this guy, his wife, kept on cheating on him. You, you think of the toxic, dysfunctional family that Joseph was born into, and then he's rejected by his brothers, and and he's sold into slavery, and he's like, what for years? Like he's just he's in prison, he's enslaved, and he's just going, what's the point of this? Or Esther, fearing for her life as she stands up for justice, and you watch how God is faithful to them in their weakness, and they're going like, I don't know, if and how they experience this. Uh, him and his power and and their incredible loss and pain. And, And what Paul is saying here is he goes, let those examples inspire you and carry you on and strengthen you to live with integrity and to trust in God, even when it doesn't make sense. Examples of endurance. Not only that, but we receive encouragement from the promises and power of God you know, that he's going to be with us the same way he was with others in history. There's a point when Joshua is receiving the baton from Moses. You remember Moses, the Ten Commandments, and leading the people of Israel, and then Joshua is his protege. And God makes a statement to Joshua that he can really make to all of us. He says to Joshua, he goes, as I was with Moses, so I will be, what? With you. Do you know that God says that to you today? That he says to you, he looks at you and he says, as I was with Moses, as I was with Esther, as I was with Joshua and David and with Hosea and all these other people, I will be with you. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can trust him. And so when you get into this book and you say, the same God that worked with these people, in history is the same God who is with me on Monday morning and on Wednesday evening and when I'm going to a job interview and when I'm facing something in court or whatever it is that I'm going through that I can know that he is going to be with me. He's gonna be with you. Um, This is what we gain from reading the scripture. If you don't have a Bible reading plan and you're like, "I, I don't even know where to begin, you know? Hundreds of people in our church family uh, are doing a one-year Bible reading plan titled One Story That Leads to Jesus, because that really is what this book is all about. It's one story, one unified story that leads to Jesus. And I put a link in your notes. You see the little uh, that little graphic on the screen that you can sign up for free, and it tells you what to read every day. And one of the cool things about this plan is that there are brief videos really well done, like just four minutes, five minutes long, that explain every part of the Bible to you. If you're like, I don't even understand what I'm reading here. They the, give this background video that just sort of tells you like the outline and traces themes. And so um, Paul says, the scriptures were meant to teach us and to give us what? Endurance and encouragement. So if you're not into God's word, you know what you're missing out on? Endurance and encouragement. I don't want that to happen to you. So so it, you can start today, just go, okay, I'm going to download that Bible reading plan. You can even listen to it, like you can just press the... The little microphone button and, and it'll, uh, you know, it'll play it for you as you're driving to work or whatever. All right, well, Paul goes on here knowing that we receive endurance and encouragement from God through his word, how do we live for Jesus today? Like, how can our lives make an impact? Because Paul's whole, whole point is this he's saying, we don't live for ourselves. If I wake up in the morning, I go, okay, how is life going to serve me today? Like, what is it? It's all about me, myself, and I. Paul goes, that's empty. And life is so short, and you come to the end, you go, so is that? Isn't there something more? And so in Romans chapter 15 here in verses 2 and 3, here's what he says. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. Two big points you're going to see in your notes if you're following along. Their first one is this. Seek good for those who are different than you. He says, please your neighbors for their good. Build them up. You know, it's the power of the gospel that enables us to do that. Because I am freely accepted by Jesus, I don't have to go around proving myself to other people. I don't need other people's acceptance to validate who I am. Like, do they like me? How many likes do I got? How many, you know? I can just know, God, because I am freely accepted by you, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I'm, I'm secure with you in order that now I can serve others. Look what Paul says here in verse 7. He says, accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you. He was saying, because you've been accepted by Jesus fully, completely, like he just loves you, accept other people in that say, same way in order to bring praise to God. You know what I ask, we can ask ourselves? Do, do, I, do I see my kids through the eyes of Jesus? If your kids see things politically differently than you do, can you still accept them for who they are and say, I, 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 I love you. I want to I accept you the way Jesus has accepted me. Do I see my colleagues through his eyes? How about other Christians with whom I have disagreements that you go, we are on like really different pages? You know what Paul's point is? He's seek their good, seek their good, Lord. Mary has a prayer that she prays regularly, and she prays it. It's something I've adopted as well. Lord, would you help me to see people like you see them and to love them like you love them? Paul says, seek to build people up. Be Jesus to them for their good. Why do that? Paul's been clear through this letter of Romans. We show kindness to others because they're valued by God. In fact, when I treat others like that, God notices and he's pleased. Back in chapter 14, you look back a page, this is all one, Paul's writing a unified letter. And here's what he says in verse 18, he says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, your care for other people, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. That's quite the impact, isn't it? If you value others, he's saying you. You listen to this. You please God, you gain the approval of others. Not everyone, but but some of them anyhow, and you build up God's family. He goes that when you seek the good of others, when you value them and you you treat them as the treasure that they are to God, you, you sort of believe you go they were made by Him and for Him. I want them to know that that when you value people in that way, that that you're honoring the Lord. And something else powerful happens too. If you get the context of what Paul is writing here, he makes something else clear that multiracial unity is a powerful testimony to a watching world. Then and now, when Christians of different ethnicities worship together, the church is a model of grace to a broken world. A little background here. In that day, there was this thick animosity between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. So you had two groups of people. And they despised each other. I mean, the Jews looked at the non Jews, the Gentiles, as being sort of unclean. Like their practices are like, whoa, you know, if your child married, a Jew, it was like, you know, God forbid. And on the other hand, the Gentiles looked at the Jewish people like the Romans looked at them and they were like, what's wrong with those people? They're, all their customs are so different. We think they hate everybody else. And, and, and there was this great chasm. So imagine this this Jew and Gentile who really want nothing to do with each other, like they just walk by each other like, oh boy, there's a, all of a sudden you see them worshiping together, like raising their hands to Jesus and they're serving alongside each other. And you go, how in the world is that happening? And, and, and then you hear it's because they have this common relationship with Christ. And you go, wow, there must be something to the power of God that's on display in the lives of these people. And Paul talks about this in verse 6. See the last phrase there in verse 6? He says, so that with one mind and one voice... He's saying Jew and Gentile can have one mind, one voice, that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind, you're unified around a clear mission. One voice, united in corporate worship. You know, I think Paul um, had in mind what we're doing today, that, you know, we're saying we're singing together together, and we're worshiping Jesus from lots of different backgrounds, socioeconomic levels, ethnicities—you know, just different. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns fans in the same room, you know, honoring Jesus. And I was with a couple of guys here at Grace, and and they're from outside the U.S. or from different part of the world, and they're from neighboring countries that really have a deep dislike for one another. And the one guy goes, so what is it like, like, you know, between the two countries? <laughs> they start laughing. The one guy goes, so honestly, if we were not like followers of Jesus and we're together like this, I'd probably spit on the ground in front of them. I mean, that's how much we, we are people. We hate each other. The other guy laughed and goes, yep, that's what would happen. And I go, wow. So, and they go, but we're brothers in Christ. We're, we're, we're part of the same family. And, and you hear something like that and you go, God, thank you. Isn't that what our world even today needs? That, that, you know, black and white and Hispanic and Asian and and all the rest and Republican and Democrat and and rich and poor and CEO and, and and all the rest, we say all one mind, one voice, all pointed to Jesus saying, and for a watching world that's so polarized to say, wow, the church is the place that's getting it right. Wouldn't that be amazing? Paul says, you know, that's my heart for you. One more big point in this chapter. Not only is it that I seek the good of those who may be very different from me. Paul, we looked at last week. He said, some of you have very different convictions and you don't see eye to eye on stuff. He says, seek each other's good. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. And then he goes on here, says, to live for the Lord and not for ourselves means that we also, remember people who haven't heard the gospel. Verse 20, listen to how Paul goes on. This is sort of the second half of Romans chapter 15, and this is a key verse here. Paul says in verse 20, my ambition has always been to preach the good news. That's about Jesus, his forgiveness. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see. And those who have never heard of him will see. Understand. Paul says, I, I want us to go to the people who have never heard, they've never been told. Let me, illustration here. Let's say you live in a part of the world. You're in an impoverished village. People are sort of desperate because there's a shortage of water. And, and kids and, and adults alike are in danger of, of this, you know, just the, the water shortage and it's, it's creating, the drought is creating a famine and, 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 and it's desperate and you are hiking, and you find this gushing spring of water, what are you compelled to do? You say, if I really care about the people, I'm not just living for myself, I'm living for Him, and I live for the people who matter to Him. You're gonna, do, you're gonna say, I'm gonna go to people who haven't been told, people who don't know, I'm gonna go and tell them, hey, there's a place where you can get water, you, you, you can quench your thirst. And Paul is saying, spiritually, it's no different. That there are people around the world, people around us here who, who are saying, I'm thirsty. There must be something more to life. I don't know what life is all about. I don't understand my purpose. I, I don't know the meaning. And Paul says, we have the answer that in Jesus, we can know I was made by him and I was made for him. And Paul says, we have to get word to those who have never been told. He says, I'm gonna go where the gospel's not yet been preached, and that's what compels us today. That's why our church, our denomination, if you're not aware, we're part of a group called the Alliance. There's about 2,000 Alliance churches in the US, about 20,000 more around the world. It's why we keep giving and sending and praying and going and giving some more. You're gonna see a couple of big screen slides here. And uh, the fact is not everybody has equal access to the gospel. You'll you'll see here, more than 4,000 people groups have little or no opportunity to know Jesus. 3.4 billion people remain unreached, just like Paul says they haven't been told. So when you take the red stripe there, that that one part of no access, and you put it on a map, this is what it looks like. Um, You see the places there where people just... You'll see that our focus in Alliance missions has been very intentional, it remains that way. How 80% of Alliance international workers uh, live in that unreached uh, area, home to more than four out of five of the world's remaining unreached peoples. How do we reach out? We show the love of Jesus in all kinds of different ways addressing poverty, providing medical care, disaster relief, theological education, church planting, broadcasting. We're on mission together to show and tell the good news. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 15. Let me look back there again here. He says this in verse 18. He says, We demonstrate God's love by what is said and done. You show and you tell by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. We show it by our actions and our kindness, you know, just the the demonstration of our lives and. You know, the way we handle suffering or a marriage is restored or someone is set free from some kind of addiction and people go, how does that happen? And then you tell it. You show it and you tell it. And the reason for the hope that we have in Christ. Friends, that's the story that that God is writing in the world today, that this life is so short. It's, It's so short and the afterlife is forever. And so with Paul, we want everybody to know you can be saved by Jesus that you can have a personal relationship with him and you can be part of his family forever. We talk here at Grace about our mission, our purpose. We say our purpose is to exalt Jesus, to really honor him by making disciples who love Jesus, who grow with others, and who serve the world. That's here, there, and everywhere, we say, wherever people need to see the love of Jesus in action. And we all have a role. Uh, if you're part of God's family, you've accepted the gift of grace. He he wants you to be part of the action of what he's doing today. And so what does that look like? Well, Paul Paul mentions here uh, some ways to be involved. Some go. This is the gift of missionary apostleship. uh, Individuals and teams that serve in places like Papua New Guinea and North and West Africa and Costa Rica and, and Japan and Hong Kong and numerous other places they go where people haven't yet heard. Did you know that there are people from grace living in all of those parts of the world that I just mentioned right there? Now, is everybody called to do that? No, no, we're not all called to go, but there are two things that all of us can participate in. Paul talks about both of them here. All of us can give, that we can joyfully contribute to missional outreach. Paul talks about that here in this passage. He asks Christians uh, in verse 24, he says, assist me on my journey after I have enjoyed your company for a while. And then he mentions, A couple verses later he talks about how some people are making a contribution to the poor. If you're newer to grace, you might not be aware that about 25% almost uh, of all the giving at grace, when we talk about like, hey, we we love to be generous, that twenty-five percent virtually of all everything given here goes outside of grace to ministries of you know, uh, urban initiatives and church planting and micro and church plant, uh, uh, regional global outreach that is happening and that uh, God is at work and things are taking place, development projects. When we give generously, we're storing up treasures in heaven as well as impacting people's lives today. So we can all give and then all of us, Paul says, he invites us all to be a part of of what's happening through praying that we can have an eternal impact in that way it's how he ends his letter in verse 30 and you can read the uh, all of that section but he says here I urge you brothers and sisters by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by doing what praying to God for me you know what I love about all this uh, that when we can you know we see what's happening it's not a solo mission some go uh, we get to give, we get to pray. We do it together as Jesus' family. You could say it this way. You'll see another big screen one here. All of Jesus for all the world will take all of us. Can I just share a couple of stats about the impact Alliance Missions outreach is having around the world? You'll see a couple of these things, I think, in the next slide. It's pretty fascinating here. Every four minutes in a life, through Alliance Ministries, someone prays to receive Christ. Every day via 43 radio broadcasts, people who have had no gospel witness hear the good news. Every week, nearly 3,000 new believers in Jesus are baptized. Every month, 253 churches and church groups join the Worldwide Alliance family. Every year, more than 9,500 students are trained and equipped for ministry through 125 overseas alliance theological schools. Friends, God is at work, locally globally, and you and I get to participate. Friends, that's what gives us a sense of purpose and meaning in life, right? That we can say, God, around me, right with the people I work with, live with, I I can value them, I can seek their good, and for people who are maybe outside of your family, whether they're near or far away, that I get to be part of what you're doing, that God, you have big plans, and my life can count for that. You know what I ask myself, Jonathan, what would it look like for you to live less for yourself and more for him? What would it look like for you to live less for yourself and for your heart to be more aligned with the purposes of Jesus in the world today? That there are people who need to know, wow, there's there's water, a well, a spring that will never go dry. You can know Jesus and find meaning for your life. And And your life can make an impact tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And until Jesus comes again or he calls you home, that you can say, I get to be part of the story that God is writing in the world today. Could you pray with me? Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to prompt us to direct our lives in this way. Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would come, fill our hearts with your love, Lord, I, I confess in my own life it's so easy to be, begin to think about what will please me, what will be, make me happy. What will, and Lord, in your calling us to have eyes that look outward and that to honor you and to show love for you that we will seek the good of people who matter so much to you. So Lord, we pray for your eyes to see people the way you do for love to be poured into our hearts that will love them the way you do and lord for hands and feet that are willing to serve and and lord so we just we pray use us we feel so ordinary at times inadequate but you love to take people like that and do more than we could ever imagine and so lord we just we offer ourselves to you for your purposes. God, through all of us together, accomplish your mission. For the glory of your name we pray. And everyone said,